You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Mobile device management has become a term to mean any number of things, really. Like it could be just how devices are managed. Of course, like the mobile moniker can be confusing because it doesn't necessarily need to refer to managing mobile endpoints. That's James Barclay. He's a senior R&D engineer at Duo Security. The research we're discussing today is titled Weak Apple DEP Authentication Leaves Enterprises Vulnerable to Social Engineering Attacks and Rogue Devices. But basically, I would just say, you know, it's a, a way to manage endpoints. So in the case of Apple devices, it refers specifically to clients, which are Apple devices like Macs and iPhones and Apple TVs and servers that implement support for the MDM protocol. And Apple provides documentation on how how this works, but it's used by administrators to deploy configuration data to endpoints and, and just generally manage them. And so it's not limited to iOS devices? Correct. Gotcha. So how does Apple's device enrollment program work? The device enrollment program is a service provided by Apple that is designed to streamline the mobile device management enrollment process for Apple devices. I guess the best way to describe it would be, you know, as an administrator, if you want to automatically enroll endpoints in MDM and like provide a better user experience for your end users, 
you can sign up for the device enrollment program through either Apple Business Manager or Apple School Manager, and then have devices that you purchase either directly from Apple or from an Apple authorized service provider automatically enroll into your MDM server when they boot up for the first time. Hmm. How pre-configured is the device out of the box? So it depends. It depends on what the organization or the administrator is deploying via MDM. So in some cases, it could just be the organization deploys an application or something that requires the user to authenticate separately before receiving any sensitive configuration data. On the other hand, the scope of what MDM can do is quite large. So, you know, out of the box, you can deploy things like, uh, you know, Wi-Fi passwords, VPN configuration data, any number of things that you might, you know, as an administrator want to automatically configure for your end users. I see. So the notion is you you, uh, you provision a user with this device, and when they boot up for the first time, many of the things that they would otherwise have to manually configure, it'll come ready to go right out of the box, and that saves everyone time. Exactly. Yeah. So Apple uh, uses a number of APIs when it comes to uh, these configurations. Can you walk us through what's going on with those? Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, for the MDM protocol, like the Apple MDM protocol, this is Typically not, you know, something operated by Apple. Um, you can use uh, like macOS server to handle some of these, these things. But typically organizations are going to be using either their own implementation or like a, an on-premise or SaaS service that provides MDM support. So this could be something, you know, like Jam, FleetSmith, MobileIron, so on and so forth. Hmm. So there's the MDM server and then there's the DEP service, which is actually operated by Apple. And this is what I was saying earlier about like, this is a service that allows for a streamlined mobile device management enrollment process. So there's the MDM protocol, and then there is the DEP service, right? Mm -hmm. So in the the research we published, we went into greater detail on how the DEP APIs work. So there is a service at iprofiles.apple.com. And this is during the device bootstrap process the device will communicate with this service to determine if if it's registered with the device enrollment program. Mm. There's actually, uh, in the paper we discussed, there's actually like seven steps that are involved with the device bootstrapping process. So initially, Apple or the authorized reseller will create a record for a device through a separate DEP API. Then the organization will assign that particular device to their MDM server in Apple Business Manager or Apple School Manager. Then the MDM server itself will uh, retrieve what's called the, like the device record through, again, a different DEP API. And then so step four, which is when the device authenticates to the DEP API to retrieve its activation record, that's primarily where are research focused. Hmm. There's a few more steps after that that involve like the device retrieving its enrollment profile, retrieving a, a client certificate, and then authenticating to the MDM server. At step four, which is we'll, we'll call it the DEP check-in process, yeah. it's when the device is giving its identity to the DEP service operated by Apple, which the identity in this case is its serial number, and that is not strongly authenticated to the device. Hmm. So it's the authentication process involving the serial number is where things kind of get a little uh, get a little interesting. So take us through what's going on here. The device 
So this could be, you know, an iOS or macOS device is during this uh, DEP check-in process provides its serial number to the DEP API. So there is an API at iprofiles.apple.com slash macprofile, for example, where it uh, provides a, you know, its serial number and like a remote action to perform. In our research, we found that modifying the serial number that is presented to this API is what determines which DEP activation record is returned. So the activation record is, it's like a JSON blob of data that contains information about the organization that the device belongs to. For example, the the MDM server URL that is associated with that device and organization. Interesting. So let's dig into that. I mean, what, what does that mean? If I, I, I can imagine coming at this from a couple of directions. If I if I know the serial number of a device, I could then go in and see what sort of information this JSON returns? Yeah, precisely. So part of our research also focused on the feasibility of you know, brute forcing Apple serial numbers. Mm-hmm. There is enough information, you know, like in the serial number format such that we could like, let's say an attacker knows a given organization is buying newer MacBook Pros. So like they can limit the search space of of the serial numbers that they're brute forcing to only those models and only those models that were manufactured within a given time frame. So yes, getting back to your question, yeah. So you know what an attacker could do is provide you know a valid serial number to this API, and if it has previously been registered with DEP, it will return what's called the activation record, which contains the physical address of the organization, support email address phone numbers, and then also the MDM enrollment URL. So this is how the DEP service tells the device where to go to and, you know, for the next step, like how to enroll with the MDM server. So coming at this uh, from another direction, as you alluded to, if I had a, a new device that um, I go out and, and purchase an iPhone or an iMac or a MacBook Pro or something like that, if I had enough information, could I register this with a company that I'm really not associated with? It depends. So it depends on how the MDM server is configured and secured. So the Apple MDM protocol supports authentication, but you know it doesn't require, uh, sorry, user authentication, doesn't require the user to authenticate outside of just providing this serial number identifier during the DEP enrollment process. Hmm. So depending on the configuration of the MDM server, it's possible that using this method alone, we can enroll a device in an organization's MDM server, like a, a rogue device, if you will, and retrieve whatever configuration data they're deploying via MDM, be it Wi-Fi passwords, VPN configuration data, proprietary internal application and so on and so forth. You, you get the idea, like anything yeah. that an IT administrator would would want to deploy to their end users. So how do we protect ourselves against this? You, you all have, you've notified Apple. What's their response mm-hmm. been so far? So, you know, obviously I can't speak for Apple, but like Apple does provide documentation on the, uh, I, I believe it's the Apple Business Manager help site, which we link to in the paper. It basically just mirrors the recommendations we have for customers that are using both DEP and MDM, which is that, you know, strongly authenticate your, your device enrollments. So if you're not requiring users to authenticate as part of the MDM enrollment process, you probably should be. 
And then the second remediation step that we cover is, uh, you know, really think carefully about what you're automatically deploying via MDM. You know, in some cases, like, you know, I think I said earlier that, you know, maybe enrolling an MDM for a given organization only you know, installs an application or, or something that requires a user to authenticate separately, you know, out of band before receiving any uh, sensitive configuration data. And if that's the case, then, you know, it's not a huge deal if an attacker is able to manage enrolling a rogue device because they don't have, they're not, they wouldn't be able to strongly authenticate to receive that configuration data. So as far as we know, the specific issue that we found where the identity that is provided to the DEP API, which is the serial number, is not strongly authenticated. As far as we know, that hasn't been addressed yet, but it's one of those things where the severity of it depends greatly on how the organization secures their MDM deployment. Right. Now, one of the points you made in your uh, research here was that uh, despite this vulnerability, the using this sort of program is worth it. There, the yeah. upsides exceed the potential problems as as long as you handle it correctly. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. You know, I want to be clear that like we're not saying that like you shouldn't use DEP or MDM. Like, I think the benefits of securely you know configuring endpoints outweigh the. The drawbacks, you know, in this like authentication weakness that we discovered, but we just want to make sure that people understand some of the limitations with uh, how devices are identified to the DEP API, and then take appropriate action, whether that's you know securing your MDM deployment or limiting the scope of what you're doing with MDM before you know a user is strongly authenticated. Now, have there been any uh, reports in your research? Did you come across this actually being done in the wild, or is it uh, is it still just theoretical at this point, as far as you know? We don't know uh, if it's being exploited in the wild. Mm-hmm. It is fairly trivial to do. We wrote proof of concept code for it, but because the issue has not been fully addressed, we opted not uh, to release that <laughs> into the wild. Um, mm. The attack is, you know, it's covered in detail in the paper. But yeah, we don't know whether it's being exploited. So if I'm the person at my organization who is responsible for deploying Apple devices and, and I'm using uh, this MDM enrollment, what are your recommendations? What, what are the best practices for me to make sure I'm going at this in the most secure way? Make sure that as part of the MDM enrollment process, you're strongly authenticating the user before deploying any sensitive configuration data or limit the scope of what you're deploying via MDM. It is worth noting that Apple does document like almost verbatim the same thing that we recommended in in the paper, which which is kind of funny because like it's kind of buried. Uh, it's in the, like Apple Business Manager help documentation. And we didn't know that those uh, recommendations were documented by Apple until we had given them a copy of the paper. but we it was it was good to see that like, oh, okay, the things that we're recommending are exactly the things that that Apple is recommending. So that's uh, <laughs> good good to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting just from Apple's point of view as to whether or not, I suppose, they consider this to be a problem or just a behavior to be careful about. Yeah, I think for now, it's definitely the latter. I would describe it as, you know, an authentication weakness. It's, you know, there are limitations with how a device is identified during the DEP enrollment process. I think all that they're able to say is like, do those two things, you know, or one or the other, right? Uh, Either strongly authenticate users during the MDM enrollment process or, uh, you know, just limit the scope of what you're deploying via MDM. It's worth noting, though, that, you know, one of the things that I covered in the paper is that strongly authenticating devices 
as part of the DEP check-in process would mitigate this issue, but it may take some time for that to become fully realized. One of the ways that that could be done is uh, the certain Mac computers that ship with either the T1 or T2 chip. So like the MacBook Pros that have the touch bar, as well as the iMac Pro, those have security hardware built into them that would allow Apple to perform basically device attestation or like strongly authenticate the device prior to allowing it to retrieve a DEP activation record. Of course, not every Mac computer that is currently shipping has one of these chips, but I think over time, you know, we'll see, we'll see something like that happen. It's possible or, you know, like at least I would hope for it. Yeah, things certainly seem to be headed in that direction, I suppose. Yeah, like we talk, we often talk about like the consumerization of security hardware at, at Duo. We're, we're big fans of devices that have, you know, built-in security hardware like, you know, TPMs and uh, secure enclaves and, and things like that. So, and we're seeing more and more of that in the industry and uh, it really does enable a whole lot of uh, applications. So, so yeah, I think, you know, we're hopeful for the future. Our thanks to James Barclay from Duo Security for joining us. The research is titled, Weak Apple DEP Authentication Leaves Enterprises Vulnerable to Social Engineering Attacks and Rogue Devices. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.